Hey y'all, we are Back in the Basket, a weekly NBA podcast where we discuss and dissect the best league in the entire universe. I'm your host, Wahaj, and with me today, like every week, it's Kevin, a.k.a. Lil Kev. What up, what up? Hello, world. And it's Richard, a.k.a. Richie Rich. What's going on? Green Beer Edition. Happy St. Paddy's Day. St. Paddy's. Thank you for listening. Also, just want to give a special shout out to the people who've been supporting us. We're going to keep giving you great content, but please share, rate, subscribe, review, tell a friend to tell a friend because we want to keep doing this and hopefully we're getting better because I think we are. Yeah. So happy St. Paddy's Day. What's going on? What's going Uh, on, fellas? uh, Lots, lots of updates in the in the world of the nba you know draymond says it's a soap opera but there is still business in the league that needs to get done so i'm happy to share it with you let's get down to business okay so we're gonna start off for our first time listeners with our favorite segment called entry pass this is where i break down uh the top hits in terms of breaking news for you that happened within the last uh, period of time okay so brandon ingram had a successful surgery to remove the blood clot uh, that was uh, troubling him for this season, and he, it is reported that he will not return to the load-managing Lakers for this year, but will be available for next season. <laughs> load-managing Lakers. That's, <laughs> that, that's a good one, though. I, I'm happy for him. Uh, Brandon Ingram is a, is a terrific player. He's uh, very young, talented. Post-All-Star break, he was averaging over 26 points per game. Yes. And uh, I want to see him get back to that level, uh, and I think he can. So I'm happy that the surgery went well. Yeah, he was, like you mentioned, the post uh, All Star break. He was kind of playing himself into the trade bait contention. Yeah, where you know Pelicans were looking at him, going like, maybe this is a piece that we can acquire if they were hesitant before, you know, because his development was kind of not on the same uh, growth chart like mm-hmm. it should have been because he was highly touted coming out of uh, out of college. And he was a second overall pick, but he just never developed into what we thought he was he could be. But he was finally getting to that level, and it's sad to see him go. Even though I kind of feel like the Lakers need to quote unquote tank. Yeah, not like he was winning them games per se, but he was really showcasing his talents finally. Yeah. Another good thing to come out of this after you know hearing that his uh, surgery went successful was. Um, you know, this was a very similar injury to what Chris Bosh had in terms of blood clots, where, you know, Chris Bosh had it in his lungs. It was a pulmonary embolism, mm-hmm. which caused him his whole career to be derailed as he had to be on blood thinners. You know, this is good for, for Brandon as he won't, you know, they, they caught this before it leads to a pulmonary embolism, which, you know, it's going to allow his career, um, it's going to allow him to not have to be on blood thinners, which will allow him to at least be a basketball player again. So Yeah, they gotta have to monitor the situation moving forward because yeah. they don't want another blood clot. If that happens then that, that could lead to uh I guess his career being over. That happened to Mirza Toledovic as well. Uh, right, right. Not a not a deep cut name anymore. I don't know if people remember him that much. But Still getting paid. Yes. Mirza. Uh, yeah. So we hope that he can fully be a part of the NBA. No for sure. He's he's definitely one of the uh it, if he, even if he, his ceiling isn't as high as what we initially thought, he's still a, quite a fun and interesting player to watch develop. Um, uh, Daryl Morey, fresh off the heels of another successful Sloan conference on sports analytics in Boston, 
has been renewed by the Houston Rockets for another five years. He released a statement shortly after mentioning that he would pursue uh, an extension with his partner in crime, uh, Mike D'Antoni, in the summer. Not much to say here. He's a he's a top-level executive in the league. We can all agree on that. He's put together a good team. Regardless of how many people were going down with injury earlier on this year, and people were ruling out the Rockets, he made some really good moves to bring on Austin Rivers, Kenneth Reed was a, was a steal in my opinion, and that stretch that Harden was on, you know, when he was scoring thirty every night, they needed some sort of a semblance of supporting cast to kind yeah. of help him alleviate a little bit and just to make open shots. <laughs> Bringing on PJ Tucker was absolutely a steal for the money that they got him at because he's been a valuable key defender and a key piece in this in this team moving forward. Yeah, he plays thirty five plus minutes. Um, a really good signing by him this offseason, Clint Capella. Uh, you know, on he that. made that work. Yeah, it was really very good deal. I I don't know how he only got him to sign to a sixteen seventeen million dollar deal. Uh, Capella's worth way more than that. Uh, if you look at comparable centers like Stephen Adams, he's making twenty five plus millions uh, million per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and arguably, Capella is a little bit more impactful. Um, but in in regards to this signing of Daryl Morey, another thing that's interesting is that um, the Rockets' ownership allowed him to to uh, consult with Philadelphia, as Philadelphia was looking into yes. getting Daryl Morey, uh, but the, he elected to to stay with Houston and sign the, the contract extension, which is interesting because you know arguably Philly might have a better future. Um, I'm and, not sure about that per se, and, because like he's familiar with this, and it's his baby, so yeah, it's his team, and you know what? It's true. Him getting the freedom to for five more years to kind of work around the roster and make tweaks and changes, I think that's a, a good place to be for himself because yeah. he knows he's comfortable and he can make those moves. Daryl Morey, he's, he's always been a good friend of uh, Sam Henke as well, so well, yeah. you never know. Um, the, the thing, you know, obviously, I don't know Daryl Morey personally, but from what I've heard from him publicly speaking, he seems very much a completionist. And, and to have, you know, it is his baby, but at the same time, if it was a, a project that wasn't going well, I'm sure he'd be happy to leave it. But I think he's constantly in a position where he thinks that they can win. So why wouldn't he want to stay? You know yeah. what I mean? Good move on the Rockets. Yeah. All right. And uh, the second piece of front office news there was uh, Rick Carlisle was extended by the Dallas Mavericks. So um, I think that, for me, in just a qu- quick transition to analysis out of it, I think it's interesting because they'll be moving from, you know, admittedly a a tanking phase of their um, rebuild into uh, objectively more winning-oriented f- phase of it. So yeah, and Rick, Rick Carlisle is, is uh, I think, the third longest tenured uh, coach in the in the NBA. All right, and um, now I'm just going to transition to some quick uh, injury news. So it seems this is a perennial, but uh, Dante Exum is out with a patellar tendon partial tear. Uh, so I guess that's going to rule out him. For the near future, he just got signed to a contract too. Yeah, we were, we were debating this earlier in the year how it would pan out, and it seems like it pan outs how it always does. In no offense, just like we're just analyzing his injuries and hypoth- injury prone players. Yeah, hypothetically talking about his potential. There's been too many injuries now to take him seriously in, in any capacity because you know the Jazz wanted something out of him. Clearly, they saw something and gave him 33. Mm-hmm. Considering all those injuries, obviously they took that into account. And he's been with the team since day one because he got drafted by them. So yeah. they know his medical history. They know how 
he has navigated through those injuries. So maybe he can make a recovery. Right. Maybe they kind of knew all this information prior. Mm-hmm. But again, because so many different bodies, body parts have been injured, I think that kind of drops his value a lot. And I heard that they were planning on shipping Rubio this trade deadline. So maybe they have to hold on to Rubio now because they don't really have a... I mean, Raul Neto is not a, no. a starting point guard in this league. So it's a bit I guess of a... They, unless they get somebody in the, in the offseason like you were suggesting... I don't think they move on from from Rubio quite yet. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a sunk cost fallacy here. Yeah, which is a, a little bit unfortunate, but it, it's good. It shows that the Jazz stuck by him, but that gamble didn't really pay off. Um, shifting that, uh, another another tear uh, partially. Malcolm Brogdon of the Milwaukee Bucks has a right plantar fasciitis tear and will be out for six weeks. So presumably the Bucks. Well, the Bucks do have playoff aspirations, but it seems that he'll be making a return sometime in the first or second round, I'm guessing. You think this moves the needle in any way? For them? Um, just from what I've seen, uh, it to me, the comparison is like when Fred Van Vliet went down for the Raptors last year and then his sort of retransition in was sort of rocky. So I, don't, I don't think that um, that comparison is fair because okay. Malcolm Brogdon is, is, he plays a huge part to the Bucks' success. He, he is a 50-40-90 player this year. That's true. He's uh, not a bench player. He's, a, he's basically getting starter-type minutes. He closes out games for them. He's, I mean, he's got the nickname the president, so... Yeah. Be I mean, nickname yeah. or not, that guy, his impact on the court cannot be replaced, Forever and it's going to, yeah, it's it's going to affect the team quite a bit. Okay, so my counter question is, how does Milwaukee lineup look now going forward in the playoffs? Like, who slots in those minutes? Like, who are you getting production out of that's going to give you some sort of, like, George Hill is still injured, so when he comes back... No, George Hill's playing... He's definitely playing, and he's probably going to be the one to fill in for Brogdon, but it's he's no Bro- Malcolm yeah, Brogdon. He's, that's, it's really it's like kind of a strange world we live in where we're trusting Malcolm Brogdon more than George Hill. So what's the starting yeah. lineup now? Because Brogdon was in the starting lineup. So you put Meritage in there now? Or at least Sobo, but Giannis playing five It'll probably be George Hill. It George probably Hill. will be George Hill just because yeah. Ilya Silva's been... From what I've noticed in the, in the previous game that uh, Brogdon was out, uh, the minutes bump went to Pat Connaughton. Okay. And uh, and I believe it was um, Ilya Sova. Okay. So they, I feel like Mertic has been, he's had a hard transition to this Bucks team. Like he was a lot better on the Pelicans. So maybe he's going to take a little bit of time to adjust. Yeah. Maybe more minutes are going to help with that. But I think ultimately George Hill needs to run that second unit because there's nobody running the second unit right now. I mean, you can't, you can't rely on uh, DJ Wilson and, you know, all the other, like, who do they have? Sterling Pau Brown. Gasol. Pau Gasol, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to, to no, no, derail you. You with derailed the joke. me with this joke. Uh, 38-year-old Pau Gasol. Yes. Yikes. Yeah, I think That's NBA this, champion. This this really does something for that for that four-team playoff matchup. I think if Brogdon is not back by the time that they face either Boston, Philly, or Toronto. I think this can get a little tricky, and those other teams might have an advantage over the Bucks because they don't have Brogdon's defense plus efficiency. You realize he's really efficient from the league, Absolutely. and he can shoot that three. Mm-hmm. So, 50, if you 40, take 90, one really three-point weapon away, who's such a big part of your integral offense. This the new right. system. I don't know, man. I think this is something. This is not nothing, but it's something. Okay. Opinion. No, it's definitely huge. All right, and then so on the uh, on the other side of the coast, we have. Um, 
Last night, CJ McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers suffered a leg injury, and uh, the update is pending MRI diagnosis later today. CJ McCollum was stated as saying his his knee doesn't feel normal. That's so. not a good sign when a player comes out and says it. Yeah, and because they're really cagey about it. Portland is um, tied. I believe with the the three, four, and five seeds in the West, okay. OKC and Houston. Uh, so it could be a lot of a lot of implications if he if he's out for a little while. He's mm-hmm. they may not get home court in the playoffs, which means uh, more playing time for Seth Curry. No, he's, Seth Curry. A, he's a fan favorite, I think. Is he really a play? I mean, he's not a even though CJ has been kind of streaky this year, but yeah. they still need him so much because that ISO. The ISO game is important. You know, when you need a bucket, you can just hand the ball to him. Yes. Lillard's going to have to carry a major load now. More than usual. Uh, yeah, he, he, his load is not going to be managed this year. No. No, no, no load management uh, for him. Nurkic, uh, again, playing out of his mind this year. Again, we'll have to step up even further. So that puts a lot of pressure on Enos Kander to get to get buckets. <laughs> I mean, he will. They, they may end up getting matched up with OKC in the, the first round. And, you know, that, Rus- out, I don't know. that Russell-Nurkic matchup, it's going to be a... Interesting one to watch, that's for sure. I want to see Cantor and Russell Westbrook on like opposing ends because Cantor was... Oh, yes. Yeah, Cantor is the OKC dude, right? But you know Russell Westbrook does not allow teammates to speak with the, anyone yeah, that's no, not they'll, OKC. They'll, they'll go get they'll go get a Turkish food after the game. <laughs> no, Steven Adams isn't going to be allowed to speak to Penis Cantor. Wait, Westbrook keeps shooting one from 16 from, from the field. I don't think it's going to be an issue. But I will say this. I think the shot distribution is going to really be an important thing to watch out for this for this uh, Portland team. Okay. Because you got to, I mean, CJ's taking about twenty shots a game. So if you take that away, you've got to put it somewhere. I think Cantor gets more minutes now. Harkless, Harkless needs to. Alfarug is not a scorer per se, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think as a professional scorer, CJ is going to be missed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more thing before we go into our next segment regarding playoff uh, playoff standings. Uh, speaking of Westbrook and 116, Russell Westbrook was issued his 16th technical. So the playoff inf- implications for him is that he will probably be at least suspended for at least one game. In the press conference, they asked him what he thinks about it, and he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, so I guess he get fined. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, he's sensitive about Russell Westbrook has been in the news lately for uh, unfortunate incidents, really, because yeah. you know the fan, the whole fan issue is, is a big deal in the NBA right now. What fans can say and cannot yeah. say. I mean, it, it's kind of it's it's terrible. Though. I mean, what what makes you know what gives you the right to talk to somebody like that? You know, considering that oh, uh, there's security in between me and this person, I can say whatever I want to him. Is that like the type of mentality these fans yeah. have? I think a line should not be crossed, and you know we're not going to get too political about this. Yeah. But ultimately, uh, Russell is a fiery dude. So getting 16 technicals in a year is not, in my opinion, such a big deal because if you are in today's league, you're picking up technicals for literally just staring at people. Staring, yeah. There was Tony a- Brothers is gonna is gonna get you out of a game. Yeah, Speaking sure. of Tony Brothers and technicals, he he did uh, eject Nikola Jokic yesterday on two quick ones. And we were talking about Trey Young being ejected the other day just by looking at Chris Dunn. Yeah. I mean, so, you, you could argue, though, you know, that did warrant uh, technical because, you know, looking at Trey Young, he's, he's kind of ugly. So it's kinda, <laughs> wow. Wow, you went there. I, I will say wow. that hair needs to go. I agree with that. I, I mean, will say, well, I mean if, if Trey Young looks at you, it just kind of like ruins your days. So you might as well give, give you a technical. <laughs> I guess Chris Dunn has a reputation now. Right? Uh, 
Like, the you Hawks, don't mess with Chris Dodd. Hawks front office is, like, hunting you down now. <laughs> um, oh, I'm so scared of Travis Schlenk. <laughs> hey, you got John Collins, Kevin Herter, and Trey Young. You should be I need scared. to call the LAPD. <laughs> Travis Schlenk. I will say... Outside the door. I will say this, that, like, fan, fan interaction has its place. Like, anytime someone's taunted, uh, like... Someone taunted Donovan Mitchell. Someone taunted Dwayne Wade, and the and the team that that fan was cheering for got blown out. So it like really should backfire. Like if you just watch the game, like I mean, the fan was banned for life. They fan they they banned, they banned another, another fan. person. Yeah. So Utah is a bad place to play anyway. It's always been that. Yeah, way. It's up yeah. there. Stockton Malone days. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely up there with Boston as two of the most. Uh, yeah, and it was racially mentioned. charged. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can understand why, but America is still segregated in some ways. We're not going to get too political because we're not that kind of show. Right, Brogdon but, did say that about Milwaukee as yeah. well. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty sure, interesting. Something right? needs to be done. I don't know what they should or shouldn't do, yeah. but banning people is the right way to go if you think they're crossing a line. For sure. The thing is, how are they going to enforce this ban, though? Like, really, are you going to... I think security needs to... Like, security needs to... They don't even let... Yeah, they don't even let you... You think MSG security has, like, a face of walls that... Yeah. Okay, and let's say they do have a face of walls. If I'm on this list... I'll, have, I'll grow a beard in a few days. I, I will have a. I will have glasses. They will find you. This is like a thing. They, they won't find me. I guarantee you. They're hey, not, they Dolan, can't enforce Dolan that. Will find you, man. Like, yeah. I'll tell them to sell. Hey, I'll hey, tell hey, them to sell the team from the other side of the if arena. Dolan, if Dolan can <laughs> kick out, uh, sell the team. Like if Dolan can kick out like MSG legends, then he'll just like kick out random dudes. No, he don't care. If you oh. breathe the wrong way, he'll yeah, kick you out. That's fine. It just—it's all about sensitive owners these days. Yeah, you can't say anything bad about any team anymore. It's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. All right. Playoff standings. Let's see what the current playoff picture is. I'm putting on my glasses for those of you who can't This see. is a interesting one, that's yeah. for sure. These playoff so standings. Everyone, everyone opening up their respective standings apps. Let's go over the Eastern Conference first. Okay. So we got Miami 32 and 36 in the eighth spot. I'm going bottom up. Brooklyn 36-35. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, our very own Detroit Pistons are at 35-33. and 33. Oh, yeah. uh, Boston's fifth still at 43-27. and 67-15. Oh, no, no, sorry. 43-27. Indiana and Philly are very close. Half a game behind each other at 45. Well, that's surprising. Oh, sorry. 44-25 for Philly and 44-26 for Indiana. So... Let's leave the first top two because they've made the playoffs. They, they locked it. It's fine. Uh, what do you think is the most interesting thing out of that bottom feeder standing spot? The uh, I'm going to have to say um, the Detroit Pistons. They've been on a surge as of late. Uh, if, if you look at their their last ten games, they're 7-3. and three. Um, They've been moving up the standings and... Now they're going to be matched up with uh, Philadelphia. I'm not so sure how that's going to go. Uh, Brooklyn's been on a slide, and they have an even tougher schedule coming up for the last 14 games. One of the toughest schedules. I think the uh, the, the Piston one is interesting, because I've been trying to put together data on the smoke and mirrors for the Pistons for the whole year, and it's now that they're in the playoff picture, it's like, oh, I guess I was right. But um, I think if they do play Philly, that becomes... Uh, a star power contest, really. You, you, you know, as as much as you can say, Tobias Harris has star power, but it's it's oh, gonna be Blake's a... gonna face the guy he got traded for. <laughs> oh yes, that's true. He is. Um, but yeah, it, it to me it seems like the 
the star power wins the day on that one. But yeah, keep going. So, so does anybody sneak in now? Orlando is at Orlando is half a, is one game back of Miami. Yeah, you think that can happen with yes? Because Miami's very hot and cold. They lose some stinkers to some teams. So are we looking at a at a, at a position where Miami can? Miami's an easy out in the playoffs. Orlando's right? got a fairly okay schedule coming up. Who? Orlando? Yeah. They got a decent schedule, so... But you can never rely on Orlando, though. Like, that's the thing about them. Charlotte, Charlotte's the same amount of games back, but I guess there's tiebreakers involved. Charlotte didn't make it a playoff. Oh, yeah? I'm calling it now. Yeah, well, that's fine. I'm I accept that. Just... Even if we do today as... Um, <clears throat> if playoffs were to start today, what, what, what would be your most interesting matchup, Ohaj? I'd have to go with a four and five. Oh, man, it's Pacers and Celtics. Yeah. Celtics, I feel like anybody going into Boston now could believe that they can beat them. Uh, even after their long flight. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the legendary long flight. Yeah. It's, I feel like Celtics make up every five, six days, and then something else happens, and their season drills. Even though Kyrie came out and apologized, says that he hasn't been the perfect leader. Yeah. May, I'm not really fully bought in into this... this Kumbaya now all of a sudden. They had too many chemistry issues, too many guys coming out and saying this team isn't fun. You know, something else goes wrong, even a little tiny thing, this thing's going to fall apart. There's no foundation. In in comparison to the Pacers who lost their star player. And And they're playing so well They're playing out of their mind, yeah. Playing together. And they're a very good defensive team. See, it's almost the opposite. Like, they're, like, right, because last year... It was like Kyrie was out, and it was like the perf- Boston was perfect as like a team, and then and then when he came back, you know that that's when all the d- doubt started. But I feel like for the Pacers, obviously, I'm injecting a narrative onto it that may not be the case. But they're really like the the they're them playing well despite Oladipo being out isn't like a knock against Oladipo. Do you know what I mean? At least from how I'm observing it. It's yeah, you're like, absolutely right. It, it, it seems like a continuation of his leadership. I don't know. Now I'm like fully injecting a narrative on it, and you can disagree with me or not, but that's my take on it. No, I'll, I'm, I'm fully about it. I think it makes sense because they have so many good pieces and a good system in place. Bogdanovich has really been awesome this year. That you have Miles Turner, who's, who's a good, good, good defensive big. And then you have Sabonis, who's borderline six man of the year, most improved player. Like when you need scoring from people, they can give you scoring. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Evans has been a little bit of a disappointment, but apart from that, their their roster is solid. From Darrison, Darren Collison to Thad Young, they had so many good pieces that you're like, hey, this makes sense that this team is winning. You have yeah. a good coach, a good system. Why shouldn't you? But this many games, I never expected. Nate so, McMillan should really get more buzz for yeah, coach of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's been. Killing it there. Who is the best matchup for Indiana in this scenario? Is it Boston or is it Philly? Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. Um, I'd probably say Boston because they're wonderful right now, right? Is that what you're saying? Um, yes and no. And um, Miles Turner is pretty effective against Boston sometimes. Uh, he's a good matchup for Horford. Boyan Bogdanovich has been on fire as of late. Uh, he's kind of been stepping up in in the place of Oladipo as well as. The recent acquisition, Wesley Matthews, has been playing over 35 minutes a game. He had a game winner the other night. Uh, it's just crazy. Yeah, they just keep rolling, no matter you know what what comes at them. And I, I think Boston might actually be a, a better matchup for them again than uh, Philly. Yeah, I and I don't 
when when we say better matchup, I just I think it's important to note that I think that the home games in Boston will be tougher. I I really don't think in I think that's where it, it becomes the difference maker. Just because I I do believe no matter where Boston ends up in the standings, their home court will still be home court, and they'll pick up those games. But that's just me. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but sorry, is, did what? you say home court? Because Boston's the fifth seed. No, like. <laughs> <laughs> they get no home court. I'll see all playoffs, man. Um, Sixty-seven and fifteen, whole lot of high fiving. So, ultimately, my point is, in the playoff series, the best player always wins, mm-hmm. and the best player in this case would be Kyrie. So, I would give it a seven-game series, but I don't think Indiana makes it out. I just don't think I see that. But I want to see a competitive playoff series in every in every round, and I think. This is going to be one of those series that's going to come down to the wire, and it's going to be like a back and forth. Yeah, if anything, they'll sweat a little. I mean, hey, they gave LeBron last year a, a very, very tough run. So, yeah, with Oladipo, so maybe this year if he if they face Kyrie, anything can happen, right? Yeah. Uh, another interesting matchup I wanted to see personally were the Raptors and the Pistons, a revenge tour. Revenge tour, yeah. That would be a good matchup because the Pistons have had Raptors number. This year, because apparently coaching no, take that again. Uh, Coach Casey knows all the schemes, so all the, I don't know. I does think, he know? I think he does. I think he's got the Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> What's this face you're making? He doesn't believe in it. Yeah, uh, it's the case for Casey, eh? That's yeah. true. So I wanted to see that matchup personally, but I'm not mad that it's not going to happen. Probably. You, you see why I disagree? Okay, let, let me tell you why I disagree. Because okay. if the Raptors do end up facing Detroit, which is unlikely now due to Detroit surge and Brooklyn's uh, terrible upcoming remaining schedule, um, all seven games, if it does go to seven, which I highly doubt, it'll probably be a gentleman sweep of 4-1. But if it does, any, any and all the games in the Detroit Raptors series is going to be a home game for Toronto. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they, they that's a thing. Yeah, it's going to be like yeah. five buses. There's gonna, oh, there was seven on a regular season game. Oh. Imagine the playoffs. We're going to ship the entire city of, of, of Markham down to... Wait, for our listeners that don't know, it's a four-hour drive. Yeah. And uh, it's a four-hour drive. Plus, uh, the only thing is, you know, Windsor is, is maybe a 30-minute drive from Detroit. Windsor's so, got a lot of Toronto fans. University of Windsor's semester will be done by the playoffs. Windsor, Waterloo, a <laughs> lot, lot of Canadians are going to be on their way to Detroit for that. Uh, and let me just say that uh, a lower bowl seat in Detroit is probably cheaper than standing room in Toronto. So, And this is, you know, we've come a long way. Like, Detroit used to be the team that was sending their, their it's, fans It's about here. the cost of a Little Caesars pizza. Is <laughs> Little yeah. Caesars Arena. Hot and ready. Also... I'm going to pose this question. Okay. For the Milwaukee Bucks, who would they rather not face as the eighth seed? Does Is there anybody that's a real threat? Orlando, Miami, who would they not want to see in that You know what? Brooklyn. I was going to say, does Brook- if Brooklyn can just slide in at eight and stay there, they might have a good time. They don't want to slide into eight. They're sixth right now. They don't want to go further They're down. not sixth. They're seventh. They're and, seventh. They don't want to go any further down. Well, it's not up to them. They have a tough schedule. They do, uh, but they don't want to lose. What? Right, right. And of course they don't want to lose. But this this is why I think they, they might be a better matchup for Milwaukee. Milwaukee allows the most three-pointers per game. The What's most three-pointers per game. Even though they have the best defense in the league, they allow the most threes. And Brooklyn's always up there with the 
shooting the most three pointers per game, and you know it could just if if it falls, they might win. It's a make or break type of league. To to go to go a little further into that, um, the Milwaukee scheme is mostly letting like role players or non shooters shoot threes. But the thing with the thing um, how Sean Marks constructed this Nets roster is that the roster doesn't care if they're shooting threes or not. Like they they will just pour it in. Like even when they were bad, they were doing this. So it, I don't think there's it's the same psychological thing as like say when make, you're making Miles Turner shoots eight threes in a game. So yeah, I mean the 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 Nets could put out a, a, a roster of all shooters and you know easily counteract this, right? And, and a lot of their a lot of their players are uh, exceptional three point shooters as well. Yeah, but see, and I agree with that fully because you don't know who's going to go off on that particular night. Exactly, it could be Dinwiddie, it could be Russell, it could even be Joe Harris. It could be cool. Three-point champion, Joe Harris? Exactly. So they have so many good... Alan Crabb is somebody who's kind of an outlier now. He does He's that. an X-Factor, I say. Him and Karis LeVert. They're both... Even Damari Carroll has had a few. Yeah, Damari Carroll. a good like three-point three. shooter. Uh, so it's year. all run and gun. And they have Shabazz Napier on the bench. They got... Third uh, string point Jared guard. Jared Allen, who's a good rim protector. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, good enough pieces to yeah. kind of give a top team a scare. Not Jared the, Allen, no. one of few the few players that blocked... Giannis this year. He's blocked everybody. Blake, yeah. LeBron. Yeah, maybe. like in terms of like a, a you know a long haul of the season, it that isn't a roster that really can inspire confidence despite their standings. But I think in a in a you know in a short like seven game series, it'd be interesting. Let's talk about Miami a little bit. Miami, do they put a scare in any top top teams in the East? No, not no, as right? they're currently constructed. No, Goran's back healthy. Dwayne Wade is on his last leg. Maybe he likes to make a little One bit of last splash. dance. Yeah, sure. sure. Why not? So maybe Dwayne takes it personally a little bit and goes off in a couple games. Ellington's gone, right? They're not going to beat yeah, the, the Bucs. Yeah, so that, that was like, for me... The, well, they the, still have Josh Richardson, who's been great this year. Justin Lindlow's been really good. Kelly Golenic's been playing okay. Bam out of bio. Hassan Whiteside could also be a, a factor off He's the been starting to make a difference recently. So, I mean, they have pieces. Deion Waiters... Mike... Uh, what about Spolstra? He's always obviously one of the the greatest coaches. Yeah, you can't rule him out. So, that was my question. Do you think Miami gives any team a little bit of a scare? Maybe steals a couple games. See, they always play hard. Uh, Miami does, and uh, you never know. Maybe in in this series, teams could get banged up as well. They've... If they face Milwaukee, that'll be interesting too, because that's they like Giannis plays tough, but I don't think the rest of the team does. Well, so recently. The Heat blew a 15-point lead to to Miami. Uh, sorry, to the to the Bucks. Okay. So uh, I don't know. That matchup to me is not as fascinating as maybe Brooklyn and and Milwaukee. I think that would be yeah. a better matchup. But I I just wonder, does this Miami team have enough juice to beat a top level Eastern Conference team? Like, let's say Philly and Miami go up, go up at it again. You think Hassan Whiteside and Embiid? Could be a matchup, or we'd see more of Hassan Whiteside because his minutes have been kind of reduced because of Bam's development. There's no way the Miami's are going to end up facing Philly. Yeah, I know that's not going to happen, yeah. right? But I'm saying, like, if that happens, like, do you think there's any credibility to Miami making some sort of a push? Like, outing them, or like, nah, just, just, just like giving them a tougher run? Because let's face it, Eastern Conference teams, the top four ones, need a easy first round matchup so they're ready for that second and third round where things are going to get really tough. Yeah. So Miami, if they're pushed to six games, uh, sorry, if, Indy, if Philly's pushed to six games in the second round, if they have to face Boston or Toronto, they're not going to be as rested. 
as the other teams. Because I think Raptors and Milwaukee would probably have a sweep or a gentleman sweep in the first round. So yep. those other teams have to be fully rested, like Boston and Philly, for the next matchup. Yeah, I think the only the the, the second round matchup might be a scary one for for the Bucks if the Celtics do end up facing them. I think they have the best matchup against the the Bucks, um, at least with long you know switchy defenders and their perimeter defense, especially considering the Bucks shoot a lot of threes. Yeah. The, and in a slow down playoff game, you know Brad Stevens might concoct up a really good defensive scheme that could you know stop me up the the Bucks. You're giving know. credit to to that that like fifteenth or sixteenth yeah. best thought coach, I was it right. I yeah, something like that. So let's switch over to Western Conference. Yeah, let's now. do it. The bloodbath. And, uh, I'm going to give you the rundown from eighth. Please do. Up. Clippers surprisingly are forty thirty in the eighth seed. Utah at forty. And 29, San Antonio at 41 and 29, OKC sliding down, 5th, 42 and 28, Portland at 42 and 27, Houston 43 and 26, and then Golden State and Denver are locked, possibly for that 1 and 2 spot. So, what stands out, guys? What team stands out to you? Um, I would I would have to say this... Um Portland and OKC matchup. I think that's going to be a, a tough one, especially with CJ now out. Um, Nurkic and Westbrook have a, have a beef going. It's always a tough matchup when these two play each other. Uh, that could go either way. I was seeing, I was seeing that a Utah Jazz and then Nuggets series would be kind of entertaining to watch in terms of just pure offense um, and then a sort of defensive-minded defensive, defensive team going at it. Um, to me, like to me, the matchup isn't as interesting as the fact that Denver has kind of clung in that two spot and is only one game back for like the whole season. It's kind of interesting to me. But as far as beyond, beyond that Portland matchup and this Denver matchup, everything else sort of seems kind of rote. Mm, yeah, well, the Spurs have been on a goddamn surge lately of late, so they're going to they're going up against the Rockets. There's not going to be a Manu to save them this time. Yeah, but you never know. You can you can never discount Greg Popovich. No, he he's always got something planned. I don't think Houston can lose more than a couple games in that series because looking at the way Houston's playing lately. You know, with everybody back healthy, I think it's just going to be one of those things where uh, San Antonio just don't have enough juice. Yeah, I really do think Harden takes over that series. Uh, Harden has faltered in the playoffs before, so right. but this matchup is not strong enough for them to, to to do anything really. That's true. Like I don't I don't really like this matchup that much anyway. Uh, also, forty three and twenty six, and Denver's forty six and twenty two. It's three and a half games behind, but I don't know. Maybe Houston can gun for that for that last spot. For second? Yeah. In the in the West. Yeah. Well they are all they're all tied, right? Like that three to five. Yeah. I mean Denver has been kinda iffy lately. They won some like late close games. I don't know. Uh for me, Portland OKC is great matchup again. But I am always interested to see who Utah's gonna go up against. If Utah and Denver go, I don't know. I don't trust Denver that much in the playoffs. Well but, they're unproven, right? So Yeah, I mean that there's the whole I, I kind of hate relying on that adage, but yeah. it could be true, right? Yeah. Jokic has never been there before. None of those guys, apart from Millsap, has been there before. 
And Millsap was in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. That says something. Yeah. Um I'm I'm more excited about the the second round matchups in the in the West. Okay. Uh, I'd like to see a OKC uh Houston battle. That could go either way and I think those two teams are the uh, the biggest competition to to taking down Golden State. Well, that's like the battle of potential MVPs, right? Like I'm sure that that's probably around when it'll also get announced, right? Oh no, oh, it's it all that's how it used to be. It'll be announced at the awards now, fuck. Yeah. Uh that's less fun. But but yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see that matchup in terms of um Harden and Paul George, but Paul George has been like sort of regressing lately after coming back, so uh yeah, he's been putting up uh, his regular numbers as of the last couple games. Uh, his first few games, he was out of rhythm, mm-hmm. terrible shooting nights. Um, but he's finally starting to get back into MV- MVPG type of uh, play. I'm looking at the Clippers. Do they make any sort of the Clippers ripples in Golden yep. State or Denver's playoff? No, for sure. The Clippers are going to be up three at uh, in the second quarter against Golden State, and that's going to be the only lead they have the entire series. I mean, they're feisty. <laughs> they play tough. I think it's more. This is this may be me just being a, a front a front off a front office like obsessive person, but to me, Clippers playoff aspirations are almost entirely posturing. Like, like oh, we're going to put a good showing in terms of like make a make a good team sweat and then lose and then lure a free agent. That's that to me is like if I was if I was like in the Clippers front office that would be my plan. Right, right, and they're gonna get swept the off season. So it's let's see how it goes. Oh man, the, lo- the logo is looking for you. Now. You're making a lot of enemies today. That's fine. Come at me, Jerry. Better check for Frank Lawrence in your house. I know Frank Lawrence is he's hiding in the, the tunnels right now. So. Clippers What's his name? Lawrence Denver. Frank? Frank yeah. Lawrence? We'll talk later. Whatever his name is. <laughs> if you think about it, Clippers and Denver. What about Balls? Steve, be, Steve Ballmer. That could be a good series, right? Denver Denver? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's both like... Uh, but if I'm any team in the lower seeds of the Western Conference, I'm not scared of Denver that much. As compared to Houston or Golden State. That's because be all of them are sleeping. I mean... I on, mean on the monster that is the fourth, uh, fourth place MVP voted... Can I, Nikola Jokic. Can I just say, two starting a game, starting a game, your series against the Nuggets in two away games up in Denver altitude. That's like kind of annoying. That would be annoying. That's very. The, <laughs> they have the best home court advantage in sports, and it's it's amazing that and, they're second seed and they get to carry that through at least the second second round. Yeah, good for them. It's been scientifically proven. I'll watch it. Sure. You'll watch what the Clippers in Denver. NBA TV well, primetime matchup. <laughs> Sunday Sunday matinee. Sure. Sunday, 3, 8, 3 p.m. Hey, Sunday matinee is this pod. That's true. So, yeah, I think there's nothing else to say. I mean, we could talk about Sacramento not making the playoffs. That was a little bit of a bummer. Yes. I feel uh, like it was a feel-good story of the year that was squashed too soon. Yes. We would have liked to see the next Kevin Durant and uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, it sucks. Well, Buddy Hill is going to lose his yeah. house. Yeah, I was gonna say it's really Buddy's fault more than anything. But yeah, they, they've had a tough schedule, and the thing is, even even those 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 tough teams that they faced, they've only they only lost by like two three points against them. So they're they're a good team. They're they're ahead of their schedule. They they weren't supposed to be this good. You can ask all Celtics fans; they'll 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 tell you. There's no there's no way this, uh, the Kings are supposed to be this good. Yeah, 
So um, they're they're sort of in like a that like where the Sixers were like I feel like it was two years ago now where they were kind of just on the cusp. Oh, so two years from two years away from being two years away. <laughs> Is that what you're getting? Don't, don't you're getting quote the, me. Are don't, you getting the pre-process of the pre-process? Yeah, don't quote me on it, but that's... They've they got a great really future. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald uh, with the veteran presence. Uh, Marvin Bagley, young but player. Which is good, too. Bo- Bogdan Bogdan. Um, He's so, okay. All right, so we're going to wrap up with our uh, with our playoff seating conversation. We're going to keep a close eye on this because... A lot of things can change. Yeah, I think I think it's more you know ask us in a week when the standings are completely different, and then we could have like completely different. Yeah, the week after that they'll be different. Again. Yeah, I think yeah, it's just sure. the way it is. Uh, before we get out of here, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the Carl Anthony Towns is set to make thirty million extra if he makes the All NBA team. So I'm going to have a quick discussion about who you think should get in the All NBA center debate. So we're right. going to we have four choices. We have Carl Anthony Towns. Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, and Joel Embiid. Who makes in and who's out? This is a tough one. Um, I, I think first team is going to go to the Jokic. Yeah. Uh, number two seeded in the West, which is an incredible accomplishment, especially in a, for a very young team and a young player like, like Jokic. In this year, in this league. In this and th- that's league. insane, right? Yeah. And, you know, he's only 23. Um, there's nobody, no big man that could pass, you know, with the ability that he has. So I'm, I'm definitely going to go first team Jokic. Uh, second team, I would probably go with uh, Joel Embiid. And then I I do say Carl Anthony Towns makes the third team. He was third team All-NBA all last year. Um, and I think he makes it again this year. So. But I, I also do think Rudy Gobert is going to start crying. But. Yeah. I, I actually don't think he's gonna cry because I think he makes it in over Carl Anthony Towns. I, ah, I agree. Okay. I agree with like the first two picks in your in your list because again, second in the second in the West in in a in a point guard centric league is fantastic. He is a point guard, just trapped in a center's body. <laughs> yeah, it's all the, it's all the fucking uh, pop. Stop yes. drinking pop, Jokic. And uh, you know, Joel Embiid for you know, despite missing a couple of games, he's still sort of in that. Uh, perennial, perennial superstar kind of form that you know I've seen in him in, for the past couple of years, despite injuries. But um, as far comparing Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, even though Carl Anthony Towns leads him in the points category, it it really is a matter of um, all all NBA is a is an award that rewards winning, and despite his like late push into sort of um, superb play. Uh, it doesn't really move the needle in terms of where the Timberwolves are in the standings. So it's all about team wins, right? Yeah, I, I guess it. for me. No, I get it. Utah is in the seventh spot. Minnesota is, I believe, ninth or tenth. So it makes sense that you would give the nod to Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, sorry, to to Gobert. Um, for myself, I think the numbers are are too good for Carl Anthony Towns to they even really good. Numbers. Only because without Carl Anthony Towns, that team is literally like a lottery team. Yeah. Even with Wiggins and even with Robert Covington and all those players, even though Covington has been out. And when you look at it from a bigger picture, I think Gobert has, has more impact on the floor defensively. And maybe his offensive numbers aren't the same, but he, you can still kind of put him in some sort of offensive actions. But Kyle Anthony Towns' defense is really up and down. So if we're talking about all NBA, I would say 
it's a really tough like it's a coin toss really for me it could go either way it just like ultimately it really ends up where they end up finishing in, mm-hmm. in the standings and you're right I think wins will count over that because you know 30 million is a lot of money if you think about it yeah. it's not just chump change even for Kyle Anthony Downs who's a max player in, in every capacity I think he's gunning for that and maybe they were going to load manage Minnesota a little bit because they're out of the playoff contention but they're going to keep playing him because he needs to be putting up those numbers consistently to even make a shot right so that's it for this week's pod thank you for listening thank you for supporting please email us any questions you have and tell a friend to tell a friend because we keep we like doing this and we want to keep giving content out every week so thank you for sticking with us and i'm gonna hand it over to richard now for our outro all right Uh, That's it for this week's edition of Back to the Basket Podcast. Feel free to find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, put the blue checkmark, or Google Pods. Remember to uh, find all of our social media in the show notes in case you want to engage or send us questions. And remember, we may have our backs to the basket, but we'll never turn our backs on our fans. Bye. Bye. Peace.